This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 266. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you. His name is Mark Struczewski, and he is a productivity coach based in Houston, Texas, and the host of the Mr. Mr. Productivity Podcast, which is trademarked, that name. And he teaches people to be more productive in their professional and personal lives in order to overcome their overwhelming feelings. I'm really happy to have you here, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Julie, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I can't wait to give you and your audience massive value today. Yeah, massive value is what we need, right? So <laughs> what I usually ask my guests for the first question is to tell me their veterinary story, because I interview a lot of veterinarians, but can you tell me your story? And then maybe you can throw your pets in there because you said you, that you have a veterinary connection. Oh, I... I, I don't consider our pets as dogs. They're they're actual <laughs> four-legged people. Yeah. So I was born back in 1965 before technology and podcasts and social media, before VCRs and cable TV. And I was raised by two parents who are now deceased who raised me very structured because people always ask me, where did Mr. Productivity come from? Right. And yeah, I was raised at a time when I had to do my chores. I had to do my homework and things were expected. Uh, Saturday mornings were chore days. And so when I look back and when people go, well, when did you get started in productivity? I hung my shingle out in 2011, but I was actually trained by my parents, unbeknownst to me or them, to become Mr. Productivity. And so over the years, I was married and a couple of times, the second one stuck, the first one didn't. But the second one we had, we adopted, we went to look for a dog and you don't go looking in a shelter for dogs and come out no, empty handed. You don't, you usually come out with something, right? Yeah. So we came out with a, uh, a terrier, I forget what it's called. Is it like a Chihuahua terrier mix? Something like that. I forget what the actual name is. And she passed away uh, five and a half years ago. And my wife and I said, okay, we're going to take a break from animals that lasted six days. And then we adopted <laughs> um, Gracie. Days, huh? Yeah. We adopted <laughs> Gracie and somebody had a very pregnant mama and in North Houston and they didn't want to deal with it. So they dropped it off at someone's yard and took off. Aww. Fortunately, the person that they dropped it off at was an animal lover, brought the mama in they had a, a barn that had a big room for the for mom. Mom had four babies. Uh, our dog is the runt. And so when we adopted Gracie, the first time she actually touched earth was at our house. And wow. so we had her for about five years. And then my father unexpectedly passed away in April, 2023. And we adopted their dog. We didn't adopt it. We just took ownership of their dog. And so Gracie got a sister and Gracie has a lot more energy than Sadie because Sadie's 11 and a half, but they're, they're finally, after all these months, they're finally figuring out, okay, Gracie's the alpha dog, even though she's younger, cause she was here first. And they're, they're just the cutest thing. Of course, we all think our dogs are the cutest thing. Of course. My dogs are the best, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> what we all think. That's amazing. So how did you get to doing what you're doing now? I mean, you said your parents kind of taught you to be productive 
but where did it go? Like, how did it turn into this podcast and this business that you have? It turned out that when I was fired from my corporate job back in July, 2005, that was, I mean, I didn't think it at the time, but now I know it was mama bird kicking me out of the next because had I not been fired, I'd probably still be there. I probably yeah. wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't even be on your show right now. And right. so Mama Bird kicked me out of the nest. And then I was floundering around. So I don't want to think people to think that I I got fired and I'm Mr. Productivity. I was like floundering around like a fish out of water. He didn't know what I was going to do. And one day I was on a call with one of my coaches because coaches rock. And and I was <laughs> uncharacteristically blue. Now I'm Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. I that's who I am. That's your normal life. personality, yes. huh? That upbeat. Yes. And they said to me, what's going on? Why are you so, you know, you're like Eeyore instead of Tigger. And I hope your audience understands the Winnie the Pooh analogy that you, the, I you, think most of them do. Okay. <laughs> if not go Google, it. it's a great show we grew up on. And I said, well, you know, I really like speaking and training and helping people, but I don't know what my topic should be. And, and they go, well, why don't you teach people? I'll be productive. I'm like, uh, where did that come from? I, 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 why would you say that? He goes, I know a lot of people. I coach a lot of people and you are naturally gifted at productivity. You should teach that. And that was a light bulb moment for me. Now I wasn't Mr. Productivity until like a couple of years ago, but I'm like, this stuff comes so natural to me that I just asked him, I was like, can, would people pay me for that? He goes, yes. And so <laughs> I created my brand. Of course, like when we all start our businesses, you, you bang your shin on, on the night table and then you bang your toe on the door jam. And, and it took me a while to get my legs underneath me, like a, brand new, like, like a baby fawn. And now here I am very confident what I'm doing. And I, I love helping people get out from under the influence and the burden of overwhelm. Yeah. Now, I have a lot of questions all of a sudden sure. after you just said that, I'm like, oh, these are great. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about overwhelm since you just said that. That is an emotion that a lot of veterinarians feel because they all have these really high demanding jobs, unpredictable a lot of days. You don't know what's going to come through the door. You don't know whether you're going to get out of work on time. That is a something that we struggle with a lot is, is feeling overwhelmed. So tell us a little bit about that and, and what you think about that and then what some solutions might be. Well, overwhelm can be paralyzing for people if you don't treat the issue. So if I was cut on my arm and I just said, oh, you know, I'll just let it clot by itself. And, you know, it probably needs stitches, but I'm okay. It may get infected. It may get worse. Worst case scenario, maybe I have to have the arm amputated because I didn't address the issue. I see this a lot with people who deal with mental health issues. Instead of going to a real doctor, they go to Dr. Google. I'm like, no, go to your doctor and, you know, get help. It's like my dog. If I have a problem with my dog, I don't diagnose it on the <laughs> vet known as Google. I go to a real medically trained veterinarian and right. they'll go, oh, they do all these tasks. Oh, here's what the issue. Here's some medicine. They'll be okay. And so I think when people, I don't have to explain to you what overwhelm is. We all know when we're feeling, feeling overwhelmed, we feel a sense of out of control. And what I encourage people to do is to take a break. Even if it's like 30 seconds, you go to another room, ideally, if you go outside alone, not on your devices and just take some deep breaths. So if you're in a very busy environment and you're like, go, 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 go. 
well, take a step out. We all take smoke breaks. I don't smoke, but maybe you go outside and take a deep breath break because sometimes we just need to disconnect ourselves from the situation. A lot of people do what I call pushing the rope. They just keep going and going and going, and it's never going to end well. And so if you can take a 30 second break outside, if you can, like between patients, you maybe you go out and walk around the parking lot a couple of times. It just it's going to get the blood flowing. It you're not on your phone, so your brain's allowed to go. It's amazing what these what I call micro breaks will do, and that is my number one go to. It's get away from the situation, even for a minute, is going to make a dramatic difference. I love that. So take a micro break. Yeah, I love that because we always tell people to do deep breathing and yoga and all that. But I think the the way that you put it is it's a micro break. It it we would even have that much time in a veterinary hospital, you know. Like I used to run and hide in the bathroom for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why the powerful going outside is you're out in nature. So if you yes. are outside your clinic and you have a parking lot and there's some trees or maybe some rose bushes or just some wildflowers, take a walk over there and just close your eyes and do some deep breathing. I promise you, the fact you walked out, spent 30 seconds out there breathing fresh air and walk back in, you're going to have that natural energy re- re- rejuvenation. You're like, wow, that was great. And you're going to become addicted to it. But guess what? If you get addicted to breathing fresh air outside, it doesn't have the detrimental effects as like some drug or alcohol. So I love going outside and breathing fresh air. Even when it's rainy, I'll go out in my garage and breathe some fresh air. Or like this morning, I'm big on grounding my bare feet on the ground. And it was pouring rain here in Houston. I went out, held an umbrella in my bare feet because I was determined to get my grounding in. So don't make excuses. You're slammed wall to wall with patience. Go outside for 30 seconds. The longer you can, by the way, the better. So if you can do two minutes, it's great because I know when I go to the veterinarian, they bring the tech in and you explain the problem. The vet comes in later. So maybe when the technician's in there, maybe the vet goes outside and takes some deep breathing. I mean, you can't, like you said, you have a minute or two and it's going to make you feel better. And the overwhelm is not going to magically disappear. I mean, you still have issues at work and you have clients and patients and stuff like that, but it's going to help reduce it. Right. And Tell me your thoughts on that, that feeling of overwhelm, that emotion. What, what are some of the other things that you can think about differently or changes in attitude or something in order to shift into being less overwhelmed and less stressed? And Well, you mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was when we were recording or not, but you mentioned that a lot of people are stressed because they can't leave work on time. Well, yes. you can flip a situation. Instead of looking at the clock and go, oh, I'm going to be late again, you can say, I'm in an emergency situation. I'm saving this pet. Nothing's changed. You're still dealing with that animal, but Mm -hmm. now you're not regretting that that patient came in. Now you're like, I'm saving their life. And my family understood, understand. Instead of flipping and go, oh, man, I got to work late again. Because especially in the veterinarian field or the medical field, any medical field, why did you get in it? Did you get in it? Cause you wanted to leave on time and you want to make a lot of money. You want to have Lamborghinis or did you get in it to help people? <laughs> and I got to believe 
I've never met a veterinarian who's in it for the money. They're in it because they want to help animals. My doctor's in it because he wants to help people. That's why they don't like dealing with insurance. They just want right. to treat the people. They don't want to do the paperwork and file the insurance and have it de decline. They just want to help people. So it's really important that you try to look at every situation and flip it. So make it a negative into a positive. The situation is not going to magically change. And all of a sudden you're going to have unicorns and roses fall from the ceiling, but if you can diminish it a little bit, it's going to do a lot to help you with your mental health and your feeling of overwhelm. Yeah, because a lot of times those negative thoughts just pile on, mm -hmm. you know, one after another of what you're missing or what didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, that kind of thing, right? It's like interest. It, it, they'll <laughs> compound the, the negative yes, interest. Will. It won't be a positive in interest. It'll be a negative interest. So you you start thinking all these other things and then they, then it becomes like uh, the, the proverbial mole becomes a mountain because you keep stacking, stacking, stacking on it. So you got to do a Gomer pile. There's an old D for you. Oh Nip yeah. It. That's way back. I yeah. know that one, but I don't know if anyone will know that one. <laughs> nip it in the bud. That was the saying. nip it in the bud. And you've got to nip it in the bud when you start Feeling overwhelmed, nip it in the bud, because if you ignore it, it's going to get worse and worse. It's like this big thing is monster going to keep growing and growing. So nip it while small. And I'm not saying it's going to be all, you know, yellow brick road stuff. There goes a Wizard of Oz influence from 1923. <laughs> but if you nip it in the bud, it's going to make your life a lot easier to handle. Right, right. Many, many veterinarians um, do do the ma working mother thing, working father thing. And part of the problem with their lack of productivity, I feel, or the reason that they might want to hear what you have to say about productivity is they're trying to balance that, that work and then their home life. So what's your feeling about that? Is it a balance? Is there, are there things you can do to help with that and be more productive at home and at work? I think it is a balance, but I think what we have to look at is the transition from work to home. So what I encourage people to do is if you had a really stressful day at work, maybe you don't listen to anything on the way home. No music, no podcast, don't call anybody and just be quiet. Allow your breath, your brain to go and just decompress on the way home. If you're still not feeling it, maybe you tell your family, look at when I come home, I need 10 to 15 minutes. So I come in the door, just let me go to the room. Let me change. Let me just compose myself. Maybe that it works for you. Maybe you need to come home with your significant other and go on the back porch and have a small glass of wine and just decompress. A lot of people go from work to home, especially moms. Yeah. And then just have that... pick right up. We walk in the door and start doing laundry. I did that a lot. <laughs> so maybe cooking. you need a transition. So you go from work and you ease in the home life and you just explain it to your family. Listen, when I'm home, I'm not really home. It's kind of like a delay. Like I'm in outer space. And it's like a 15 minute delay before you can actually talk to me. Have that buffer zone. I, I heard a story a number of years ago where a person would come home and they, they'd have this tree outside the front door. And they would always touch the tree and that would be symbolic of them leaving their problems on the tree. So they would go in the house and when mm -hmm. they came out in the morning, they would grab the tree as if to take 
problems. Now, I don't know if that tree died eventually with all the bearing, the weight of the problems, <laughs> but that it's, another, it's a symbol. You know, you come and say, I right. got this issue, some work. I'm going to touch this tree and I'm going to leave my problems there. So when I go into my family, I shouldn't take my work stress and bring it home. And I know that's easier said than done, but you got to find a way to disconnect work from home because your family deserves your very best, even though you've worked all day and had a stressful day. Yeah. And you have to have that as your priority is to get your, get your mind in the right gear before you take on the, the family chores. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about um, what people can do in their home or work. I guess it doesn't really matter what like actually tangible things can you do to be more productive? Let's say, Right now I get four things done a day and I want to get six things done a day. Is that how it works? Is that what productivity means to you? Or is that something, something else altogether? It's, it's sort of. So we're talking about two different things. We're talking work and personal. You want to start with the home? You go, whichever one you want. Yeah, let's do okay. home. Okay, so we'll start with home. So the thing you have to think about is how much time do you really have from the time you walk in the door to the time you're going to bed? So let's say you get home at, six and you want to be in bed at nine that leaves you three hours so then you reverse engineer it you go okay what do i need need to do between when i get home and when i go to bed and i encourage you that nine o'clock bedtime back it up to eight because you want to have an one hour decompression time so you can maybe read a paper book or a kindle or maybe meditate or journal so now we're down to two hours so maybe during the week when you're working, you're like, okay, I'm going to cook all day Sunday, not all day, but I'm going to cook the meals for a couple hours, a couple yeah. hours. And so we're just going to heat up meals during the week. So now instead of you coming home and doing all the meals, they're already done. Maybe the laundry, you tell people, okay, if you have older kids, you need something washed. Here's how to use your washer in the dryer. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm only, I'm only going to do laundry on Saturdays and you start structuring your day. So you come home you just heat up a meal. I don't recommend you getting takeout because then you're going to have other health issues, but cook healthy meals. And all people have to do is heat it up and say, look it, we're probably not going to have a family meal every night. Let's go for a goal of twice a week. We'll have family meal. The other times when you're hungry, go fix yourself something to eat. That way you're, you're taking the responsibilities off the mom or the dad. And you're saying, okay, I'm not going to do all this. I'm not your butler. You're, you know, Johnny, you're 16 years old. Make your own dinner. You're you're good. And instead of letting everybody going, mom, 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 because I used to do that. My mom would, right. would say, you're 13. Go get something to eat. You know, <laughs> I'm not your slave. And we got we got to have that mentality. So I think if people start being proactive and not just winging it when they come home, just say, hey, listen, during the week, I'm not going to I'm not going to be your butler or your maid. You already pre-cooked the meals on Sunday. You want something else, old enough to drive, go get yourself something to eat, whatever. But you need to be able to relax because if you're not taking this precious time to wind down, and I believe you should start thinking about bedtime. If you get home at 6, 630, you should already be starting to transition, you know, reducing the blue light, less stress, getting ready for bed so you have a good night's sleep so you have the energy the next day. That's how I would handle personal or at home. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I think part of the pushback that I sometimes hear is especially, I, I don't know, maybe this is kind of old fashioned of me to say, but especially the moms have that guilt 
that if they don't make the real meals and they don't spend time all the time with their kids when they get home from work, that they start feeling guilty that they're not a good mother. And, um, you know, I raised two kids and worked full time and owned a business and my kids didn't get a hundred percent of my attention every minute and they turned out okay. So I try to help them think about that. But what, what do you say to people when they say, oh, but my house has to be clean and my kids have to be perfect. Like, and they start to get that perfectionism going. Well, first of all, I want to go off on a little soapbox here. These parents who let their kids go to every sporting event and every club after school. So they become a glorified chauffeur. I'm like, you're the parent. You say you get one activity a semester, but that's not right. Fair to little Johnny, <laughs> a little Sally. I'm like, well, tell them to choose wisely. And here's what they found out the last couple of years in schooling. Schools no longer want you to do like 20 things over four years in high school. They want you to see if you did one thing four years in a row. So it's kind of flipped. Oh, like consistency, huh? They want consistency. Did you get better? Second of all, the parents' mental health. You're not a chauffeur. So you tell the kid, okay, basketball, okay, Tuesdays and Thursdays, but that's it. I'm not, because what if you have four kids? Right. There's something going on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're going to go drive yourself crazy. So that's been a soapbox of mine. You're the parent. You can say no. (laughs) It's fair. It's I I, listen. I know the guilt thing comes. It's it's a major part, especially of a mom. Now, I was born in 65, like I told you. And my mom was one of these hardcore moms. Okay, dinner was at five o'clock Monday through Friday. Right. There was no negotiation. I was allowed to do one activity per semester. I couldn't be in lacrosse and soccer and football and baseball. My mom said, pick one. And guess what? I made it to age 58. So apparently yeah, mom was survived. okay. <laughs> you got to realize that we are the parents and we have got to be an example. Remember, whatever we say and do, we're an example to our children. And if we let them do everything, they're going to get out in the real world. And they're like, yeah, we don't do that here. But that's the way I was raised. Yeah, well, guess what? That's not what we do in corporate America. So why not train your kids up and say, listen, when you go get a job, your boss is not your slave. Your boss is your boss. And we need to be leaders in our home. We need to say, hey, here are the rules. Dinner here. This is when we go to bed. Now you get to be older. You can stay up as late as you want, but you're going to get, you're not going to be late for school. You better maintain good grades. If you don't get good grades, then I'm going to start taking away privileges. You have to be the mom. You have to be the dad. I know that's not easy for some people because they feel guilty, but you have to train your child up to be a respectable, hardworking member of society. You don't want them to be one of these people that make their lives making TikTok videos. You want the people to go, oh yeah. Yeah, Julie's son, Julie's daughter, man, what a good worker they are because you instilled that in them. You told them no. And you just didn't say, because I said so, or because I'm your mother, you go, this is why. Because in the future, da-da-da-da. But if you don't do that, they're going to think life is an easy ride. And I see a lot of kids these days, their parents kind of like coddled them. And now they get in the real world and they're like, rules? what I got to show up on time because they, and I blame the parents because the parents did not raise them in the right way. And I say, right with air quotes here, right? But you got, it's our responsibility to raise our children the best way we can. Obviously nobody raises perfect children. It doesn't exist, but you got to let them do more than like, like for example, cell phones, 
Who says you have to give your kid a cell phone? I went through an entire high school and college without a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. And I graduated here. Both I of us over a certain age all did that, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if your kid says, I need a cell phone, well, you can go get a job and get your own cell phone. Yeah. I mean, put your foot down. And I think that's, it's like I said, easier said than done. But I think it's all about freeing ourselves from overwhelm. Now you would ask me another question before I went on my soapbox and I do apologize. I don't remember what you asked me. Oh, I probably don't remember either because I got okay. involved in this, but I wanted to just piggyback on what you just said and offer the thought to any parents out there that are struggling with that guilt that if you're a hard worker and if you're running a business and if you're coming home from work and you know, you're taking your time out what you're doing is you're teaching your children how to take care of themselves by you taking care of yourself. You're setting that example. And the same thing with your career. You're setting an example that they can have a career and they can also have a family. And so I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the thought that unless we stay home all the time and we're there every second for our kids, that they're not going to turn out well. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. Hmm. That's and a very valid point because a lot of people, I, I know, look, I know guilt. I'm not saying guilt's not real. I know we want to provide the best for our children, but right. we have to think about our mental health. And if you are nothing more than a glorified chauffeur and spending all the money for all the equipment and all the fees and all the league fees and on and on, you're going to get exhausted. I mean, I have some clients, they get to like, I'm, I'm so exhausted. And they tell me the story. They take this kid here, this kid right. here, this kid here. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to start saying, no, put your foot down and say, look, I love you. You're my child. I love you, but I am no longer going to be a chauffeur. So at the end of this term, you get to pick one thing a semester. Now, if you can get a ride from somebody else and they want to take you every time, that's fine. But you got to you got to have structure in your home because you have to take care of yourself because I don't want people to start having health issues, whether it's high blood pressure or heart attacks, because they're constantly working all day at work, coming home and rushing, e eating junk food because they're going from work to coming home to picking the kids up, taking them here, there and everywhere. It, you know, the kids are going to complain. That's what kids do. It's in their job description. But you got to <laughs> think of your health. Yeah. Well, and they will, and they'll change interests, right? So things will change along the way. I know that. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about, you've got something um, that you listed. I don't know where I read it, um, maybe on your website or something about um, like having a proper morning routine. You talked about going yes. to bed on time. This is part of productivity, I'm assuming. Yes. What is your recommendations for a morning routine? Well, I believe the morning routine starts the night before. So okay. the body loves consistency. So it should be everyone's goal to go to bed at the same time, seven days a week, including weekends, holidays, and vacations. Obviously there's some exceptions there and then getting up at the same time every morning. So what I do is I try to go to bed. This is going to sound, may sound crazy. To some people I'm in bed between eight 50 and eight 30 and I'm up at five o'clock every morning. You look at a lot of high performers that you hear in the news and stuff. They are early to bed, early to rise. What did Benjamin Franklin say? Makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Now <laughs> right, I'm not wealthy yet. That, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not wealthy yet, but I'm very healthy. And I like to think I'm wise. Your, your listeners can be the judge. But so there's an app I signed up for. I pay 60 bucks a year. It's called Rise, R-I-S-E. Mm. And what it does is it tells you when you 
have dips in the day and when you have peaks during the day. And it also tells you when your melatonin window is. Melatonin window is when you ideally should go to bed. Now, mine is between 7, 10, and 8, 10. And I, when I first got the app, I told my wife, you were like, heck I'm not no. going to bed at 9 o'clock. <laughs> and I'd be sitting there quarter to 8. What like, do you think I, I am, 80? <laughs> I'd be sitting there and it'd be, it'd be quarter to 8. And, and I told my wife, I can't keep my eyes open anymore. It's so funny. It is so accurate. It just... <laughs> It just knows. Now I wear an Apple watch. So it keeps track of when I'm awake and stuff like that. But it's really important that you pick a time. Let's say you have kids. You want to get to bed at 1030. You want to give it 530. Be consistent because I don't need an alarm clock. I wake up automatically because I go to bed consistently. Now, my kids are 30 and 26 and they live on their own. And I work from home as a solopreneur. So, yes, if you have three kids and you have a husband and you have four dogs, Yes, your situation is going to be different, but I would encourage you to figure out how you, not your family, not your spouse, how you can create a bedtime routine. Maybe you, you want to be asleep by 1030. So maybe at 945 or nine o'clock, you stop watching all screens, TVs, iPads, phones, and maybe you read a book for 45 minutes and go to bed. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you have, you go take a hot bath with lavender because lavender tends to make us you know want to go to sleep. Maybe that works for you, but I encourage, I challenge your listeners, figure out how you can come up with a consistent bedtime routine. It don't make it four hours long, especially with a family. Now, when you wake up, what do you do when you wake up? Now, what I do, because I'm on uh, the Tim Ferriss 30, 30, 30 protocol, slow carb diet, which means I have 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up, followed by 30 minutes of moderate exercise. It works for me. My blood glucose is down. All my numbers are down. I'm losing weight. I feel great. That may not work for you. You need to figure out what works for you. So when I'm done with the 30, 30, 30 protocol, then I turn around and then I will write in my journal. I write my goals down every day. I am a firm believer writing your goals down, not my daily goals. These are not my daily to-dos. These are my long-term goals. Then mm. I write you know, any thoughts, maybe about a dream I had or how I'm feeling, something like that. When I'm done with this, I do read the Bible every day with a commentary, and then I practice Duolingo. I'm desperately trying to learn Spanish. I take uh, <laughs> five to 15 minutes on there. And then when I'm done with that, as soon as it gets first light out, I'm a daily runner. I've been running at least one mile every day since August 29, 2017. As soon as the sun starts waking up, I'm out the door. The coldest I've run was a wind chill of 29 degrees. The wow. hottest I've run was 100 degrees. That's because I had something doing. It was raining. Toxic. It's really hot there. <laughs> yes. Well, the reason why I went with it was so warm is because in the morning it was thundering and lightning, and I'm not going to go out and running and thunder or lightning. But now what I do, if it's raining, I will actually run in my house, which confuses the dogs because I run up and down the hallway and through the <laughs> living room. But I, I can't not run every day. So those are my morning routines. But I just encourage people, listen to my morning routine but don't copy my morning routine. Find out what works for you. Create a bedtime routine that works for you. Find a morning routine that works for you. Maybe it's, I wouldn't watch the news or go on social media and you wake up, but maybe you go get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You go on your back porch and maybe you just sit there and maybe you watch the sunrise or if you have a big field, maybe you see some deer or something and just create a routine that is yours. 100% yours because remember we talked about transitions early earlier maybe this is your transition from unconsciousness to consciousness and your bedtime routine 
flips it. You're going from consciousness to unconsciousness. Your body loves consistency. Your body doesn't like, oh, turn the TV off, try to go to sleep. It's like, wait a minute, I just had a bunch of simulation and dopamine hits from the TV. Maybe you read a book because now your body transitions. I used to read for an hour before bed. Now it's like maybe 20 minutes because my, my body knows when I start reading my Kindle, like, oh, okay, we're shutting down now. And so <laughs> I, if I get 20 minutes of reading, it's a lot at night because that's my body's cue to wake up. Right. I love that. Yeah. I think it's so important to, to let people know that that's part of productivity. Mm -hmm. It's not a checklist always, right? Nope. It's more about managing your mind. Yep. That's, that's what why, I'm getting from you. Yeah. That's why sometimes I may journal a lot. Like if I had an interesting dream, I will, cause obviously I'm not going to remember about it you know, a week later. I try right. to journal as much as I can about the dream or if I have something that's bothering me. So those days I write a lot. Some days I just write my goals and later on in the day I'll journey more. So there's no, there's no magic formula. You should journal these prompts and you should do this many lessons on Duolingo and you know what works for you. Maybe you wake up and pray or meditate. Maybe you take a walk around your block. You need to figure out a routine that works for you. But the word here is routine. It can't be like eh, Monday through Friday. It's got to be every day because remember the body loves consistency. So give your body the consistency and you'll feel better. I promise. Yeah. Mentally and physically, right? hundred mm, percent. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So what about work? Do you have any recommendations for productivity in the workplace? Not necessarily individual, but maybe the productivity of the entire clinic? Yes. So I have an 86-year-old aunt who I love, and she's got this saying. She says, does it affect world peace? And when she first started saying to me, I'm like, <laughs> I love that. what does that have to do with anything? But now as I continue in my entrepreneurial and productivity journey, a lot of people are getting stressed. And I'm finding myself saying this, does what you're worried about affect world peace. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you find yourself getting agitated and, and, and frustrated, okay, ask yourself, does this affect world peace? <laughs> oh, no, I'm blowing it out. Cause what's going to happen. You're going to say, I'm blowing it out of proportion. Right. I'm, I'm yeah. making a mountain out of a molehill. So just saying that question may make you go, yeah, it's just me. Or you know what? I snapped at that person because I didn't sleep well last night, or I had a fight with my son this morning. So just, it's funny question. But just ask yourself, when you feel yourself being overwhelmed, stress, angry, to say, does this, does this situation affect world peace? And probably the answer is going to be no, 99.9% .9 of the time. I, I'm a big fan of making humor, injecting humor into the situation. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about state changes. So yes. if you're stressed, maybe you have to do a big belly laugh. Or go watch a video, you know it's going to make you cry so hard because you laughed. And get yourself to change because if you're, as we talked about already in the show, you're getting stressed and stressed and stressed, it's not going to magically dissipate. So try to find a state change. Ask yourself, does this affect world peace? Go watch a funny video. Maybe make fun of yourself and your coworkers laugh or something. Do something silly and change that state because I can tell you, Julie, People who are happy are way more productive. Yes. Why is that? <laughs> Answer that question. <laughs> because I mean, I, I kind of know, but well, I, I, because, 
Yeah, when you're stressed and you're fatigued, your brain starts to shut down. And if you keep working, you start doing subpar work. Right. But when you're happy, you're like, oh, I made a mistake. You're like, oh, okay, it doesn't affect world peace. I'll just keep rolling on. So it has to do with how you feel. Happiness, positivity, it helps you be more productive. Yeah. I don't know too many people who are angry. I mean, you've seen it. If you ever watch professional sports, any professional sports, when a player gets really upset at themselves or a call by the officials, they start playing subpar because right. they allow the emotions get to them. And these are highly trained athletes. You just got to go sing the song from Frozen. Let it go. Just let it go because it's not going to get better. People need to understand who are listening to the show. They need to understand it's not going to magically get better. So you have to make it get better by changing your state some way and watch the magic happen. Yeah. Doing some work. I, I sometimes say that you have to do the work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. So what didn't, what did I not ask you that I should be asking you? I'm sure you have things that I failed to ask. Well, a lot of people, we already touched on this a little bit, but I want to go a little deeper on this health and wellness. Healthy people tend to be more mm. productive people. Yes. I so here are some easy and free things you can do every day. We already talked about one. Go outside and breathe in fresh air. Take those micro breaks. Micro breaks. Number two, ground. Bare feet on ground or dirt or sand. Yes, that's what I was. That was something I thought I forgot to ask you. Yes. So. Now I live in Houston. I wouldn't, I make sure where I step, there's no fire ants, but make sure you're grounding because we have electrical currents in our, in our set bodies. The ground is electrical and you need to get that charge uh, reset. It helps with inflammation. I'm a daily runner. I ground every day and I don't have the inflammation I used to have and it's free. Just make sure. So what, how, what does that mean? Like how long do you ground for? I typically ground. I haven't done that. So I want to yeah. try it. Well, there's different numbers from different people you do research on. The minimum I do is 10 minutes a day. So this morning, as I said, it was thundering and lightning outside. I was outside in my umbrella, probably not the smartest thing, but I was grounding for 10 <laughs> minutes. A couple of weeks ago, it was like 29 degrees, 37 degrees was the coldest I ever grounded. And I take pictures of my feet when I'm out there and people go, you're crazy. <laughs> when they're turning blue. <laughs> right. What I, what I do is I put my bare feet on the ground. They cover them up with blankets. Because the, uh, the top okay. part's not touching the ground. So the top right, part can be right. covered. Okay. So grounding is really important. And it's, it's really interesting if you can do this, if you're, if your veterinarians who are listening to this can do this, they can go outside, take their shoes off on a micro break and, or maybe on their lunch break and they're eating lunch while they're grounding. Now uh, be careful that you're not stepping where you walk the dogs. I'm just saying, be yes, careful there. I was um, thinking that. I was thinking <laughs> you have to watch where you're walking out exactly. in the front yard, maybe. <laughs> but what I like to do is I, I do what I call a win, win, win. Now, again, I work from home and I can do this. I like to go out in the afternoon when the sun's shining. So I'm out there in just my shorts because guys can do that. So I'm grounding for about an hour because I read for an hour every day and I'm getting pure sunlight and my feet are grounding and I'm breathing fresh air. So if you can do that, oh, that's even, awesome. if do, even if you can do it on the weekend, like Saturday and Sunday, the weather's nice, go outside and maybe get your bathing suit on, ground. It's even better if you lay down. I mean, if you can lay down, but you know, don't fall asleep in the sun. You can get sunburned. Right. But there's things, and those are all free things, by the way. You have to pay for the chair, but 
these are free things. I'm, I'm a big fan of trying to do things that make you feel better that are free. And <laughs> cause then you're educating your brain, you're grounding, you're breathing in fresh air and you're getting vitamin C and you had to pay for the book and the Kindle unless you bought the paperback. But what I'm saying is that there's a lot of things you can do to make yourself feel better. When you feel better, you feel like working. And when you work, you're probably going to do better work than if you don't. So take care of yourself. Now, going along with that, some stuff that's going to take you take care of, it's going to cost you money is are you eating the right foods? So I've tried lots of diets. We've all tried lots of diets. There's no perfect diet in the world. I'm on the Tim Ferriss slow carb diet. And what that is, is Sunday through Friday, it's all low carb. I eat a lot of meat, a lot of legumes, a lot of beans. And because I'm having so much protein, I don't snack. I have breakfast around 5.30 in the morning, lunch at 12.30, dinner at 6, and I don't snack. And on Saturday, it's my cheat day. I have ice cream and cookies and eating out McDonald's because what he did, and he did a lot of research, got poked, prodded, and all this other stuff. But he found that this prevents your body from going into a plateau. So... I, okay. cheat on I cheat on Saturdays, and I recommend the four-hour body from Tim Ferriss. He goes into the whole detail. It's like 9 million pages thick, but it's really worth it. <laughs> you only have to read the first 100 pages to understand his concept, though. Um, so what happens is after cheat day, I go back to low-carb, and my blood blood glucose like drops like a rock from like 110 to like 75 within a couple of days because now all the sugar's out of my body. All the junk that you ate on Saturday. Right, and I, I gain it between two and four pounds, and by by Tuesday or Wednesday, I've lost it all. And I start, then I lose a couple more pounds, but it comes off gradually instead of losing a whole bunch of weight. Plus right. you, get, you get look forward to cheat day. So during the week, I'm like, oh you yeah, plan I want it stickers. Out. <laughs> you, you pick what you want. And, but the thing is you don't eat a lot. Now he recommends you eat a lot of food, but the thing is you can't eat a snack like an hour and a half before your meal. So that cuts out those four and a half hours. And right. then I stop eating at six 30. So like last week I had like, couple ice cream bars. I had chips, Ahoy cookies. I had some candy, but it feels good because you have something to look forward to. See when you're on low carb and you're just eating keto, it, you get kind of like tired it's boring of it after a while. So this, yeah. this allows you to have those treats. And I recommend people go out and get the four hour body. It's like 20 bucks and it's really worth it. I feel great. I'm dropping weight. My numbers are coming down and I feel great. And I, and it's and now we're recording this on a Tuesday, on a, Monday. 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 Yep. It's Monday. So I just, so I'm not even craving carbs yet because it was just two days ago. Okay. On, on Thursday afternoon, I'm like, okay, here comes the next cheat day. <laughs> You're waiting. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So tell me where, if people want to check you out and more of your, I'm, you have a podcast. We already said that, right? Yes. The Mr. Productivity podcast. Yes. Um, where else can they find out about you or where do you want to send them to get more information about your, and we can always do another podcast if you want to talk about more things. Oh, I'd love to come back. So the, the, the hub everybody needs to know is Mr. Productivity.com. That's Mr. All spelled out. M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. Mm. There you can sign up for my free weekly email newsletter called The Productive Life. I do have a paid community called The Productive Life Community where I do live training and replays and all that good stuff. You can read my blog, find out my podcast. Anything you want to know about me, Mr. Productivity, is at MrProductivity.com. Awesome. I love it. Anything else we want to talk about or should we wrap it up? I just want to encourage people to get off the blame game train 
and take responsibility for your health, your wellness, whether that's mental or physical health, your productivity, your sleep. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming other people. You're not helpless. Yeah, exactly. Nobody like people ask me when I see people on social media, like, well, iPhone addiction is a serious thing. I'm like, but I'm not addicted to my phone. Like, what are you freaking nature? I was like, no, I decided I'm the human. It's just an electronic piece of equipment. You can choose to ignore it. And I have trainings and podcasts. I and coaching. I have one-on-one coaching too. I can help you break your iPhone addiction, but it starts with you wanting it. You right. got to stop blaming other people or, Oh, it's Facebook's fault or it's TikTok's fault. No. I mean, am I on TikTok right now? No, I'm talking to you. So yeah. Well, and you can the- set, you can set limits on that. I, re- I recently set myself a, a time limit on TikTok because I find that if I look at it, I get sucked in. Mm-hmm. And so I gave myself, um, I think it's a five minute and, and I set my phone up and after five minutes, it tells me it's like, oh, your time's up and you click OK and, it, and then you can't look at it for the rest of the day. Right. So you can you have there are tools to help you train yourself. Right. But I don't think it's the, the company's too. fault. Yeah, it's right. not it's not the company's fault. Absolutely. I don't need those tools because I use social media. I don't get used by social media. So I I scroll for three or four minutes on TikTok. I'm like, I'm bored. I'm done because it doesn't bring joy for me. What brings joy for me, Julie, is I love reading and I'm kind of sad. I can't read more than an hour a day. And I make a non-negotiable to read an hour a day. I have so many books on my Kindle. I want to read that I'm like excited for, but I can't read 20 hours a day. I I can't know. Now, if someone would pay me a million dollars a year just to read books, not write a report, they just give me cash every month, every year. And I would read, read books. I would love yeah, that. That would be a great reading. job. I yeah. love that. But so I read an hour, but that's why social media people go, are you on Instagram? I said, I don't scroll. I post, but that's it because it, it doesn't bring me joy. I know that social media is not your friend. Social media is there to steal your time. And I know that. So Mm. I will post stuff on there, but I want to help people say, you know what? I'm at a point now. I don't need those apps anymore because it doesn't, it doesn't really pull me in anymore. I love that. That that's one of my favorite thoughts I've ever heard anybody say on the podcast. Social media is stealing my time. Yep. It is. Love that. I'm going to, I'm going to post that. (laughs) I call TikTok the anti-productivity tool. Oh, Yes. And you can lump Facebook in there, Instagram, Snapchat, right. YouTube, X. They're, they're all, everybody wants attention. Yes. I want people to go to mrproductivity.com instead of going to TikTok because I can teach you how to be on TikTok and still have a life and not be stressed and not, I got to get the, like, I don't do trends on TikTok. Yeah. I just, what I'll do is you'll send me this video and I'll take my picture and I'll make short videos to help people. Right. So I, I may answer questions or answer, respond to comments, but I, I don't spend a lot of time on there. Again, I'd rather be either helping people or reading a book. I love that. Well, so the lesson of this podcast is let's get off social media and read a book and become more productive. <laughs> and go to mrproductivity.com. <laughs> and go to mrproductivity.com. All right. I love this. Thank you so much for being my guest. It was great to meet you. And hopefully we can do some more work together. I, I'm, I have a million more questions I, I could ask for people's businesses and things like that, but we'll do another one. Um, I would love is, to come back. I, okay, I really awesome. appreciate you having me on the show. Fun. 
you ask great questions and, you know, maybe you, here's an idea for you. I love coming up with ideas. Maybe you pull your audience and says, Hey, I'm going to have Mr. Productivity back. What questions do you have? I would love to I answer love that. Yeah. They can send those to my email or go to my website and yeah. uh, propose those questions. That'd be great. Yeah. I, so I'm this all is Mr. That. Productivity, Mark Strucheski. And yes. I really appreciate it. And next time you're on, I want you to show us your dogs too. So either pictures or in person. <laughs> oh, I could do that. I need advance warning because the one dog will be around until I pulled her up for the camera. And, so, and then, I'd love to show off my dogs. Absolutely. Okay, we'll do that on the next one. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Bye. Bye, Mark. <laughs>